You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. Today's reading is an excerpt from More Love by Reverend Nancy McDonald Ladd. Putting our love in boxes with qualifications. I will love you if. I will see you if. I will bear the truth of my soul alongside you if. And only if you agree with me. You look like me. You act like me. You sing like me. You wear your gender on your sleeve and produce it upon demand. I will love you and will meet you in the sanctuary of our hearts if and only if. And so today, let our willingness to love beyond our expectations or experience break down our long-held barriers. May there truly be more love with no labels and no binary and no preface and no qualification and no arithmetic and no limit. Again, that's an excerpt from More Love by Reverend Nancy McDonald Ladd. We've been talking a lot about love this month. Mainly Brian's been talking about love. That's because the Soul Matters theme of this month is liberating love, which is not the same thing as free love. (laughs) Not the same thing. With him out with the flu, it's my chance to talk about love, but not that kind. Our opening words today came from James Vila Blake, poet, essayist, playwright, hymn writer, and Unitarian minister. Reverend Dr. Blake served various congregations in Massachusetts and Illinois from 1868 to 1916. I never met him. (laughs) While serving in the Evanston Unitarian Church, he wrote the words that I shared earlier. They appear in the gray hymnal on page 473. Many UU congregations across North America recite this covenant each week, and let's take a look at it. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Yeah, love's been around for a long time in our congregation. Some congregations use this just as written um, every week. The church I belong to in Cincinnati has adapted it several times to fit its more universalist traditions. Many of you know the history of our combined faiths as well or better than I do, but here's a quick refresher or maybe a first time for some of you. Modern Unitarians trace their roots to congregational churches of New England. Whether we want to admit it or not, they were, 
we are of Puritan stock. Congregational ministers of the day were often educated at Harvard Divinity School. And a number of the students and faculty there were radicals. How radical? They expressed such beliefs as to deny the Trinity, claiming that God is one, uni. Where most Christians then and now espouse the triune nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, these radicals said, no. They viewed Jesus of Nazareth as an exemplary human. His life was to be studied and emulated. Christians who worshiped, they were Christians who worshiped the religion of Jesus, not the religion about Jesus. For most of them, he was not seen as divine himself. These radicals were labeled Unitarians by the mainstream because they had rejected the Trinity. It was a pejorative. Those Unitarians. But it became a term that the radicals wore with pride. And Unitarianism in the United States began to thrive. Now, around the same time in New England also, the modern Universalist movement began. It was hardly the first time that someone had put forth the idea that a loving God would never condemn his children to hell. It was, however, when the idea began to take root in America. At that time, the only message to be heard from most Christian pulpits was that of fire and brimstone. The moving, the move, the more loving universalist message of salvation for all was well received, especially in rural areas. Many of those attracted to the universalist message came from Baptist congregations and were decidedly still Trinitarian. So the two faiths existed separately yet sympathetically with one another as liberal Christian denominations until they merged to form the Unitarian Universalist Association in 1961, of which this church is a member. But as the queen of rock and roll herself, Tina Turner, might ask, what's love got to do, got to do with it? <laughs> well, some say that the universalists, universalists believed that God is too loving to damn his people to hell with the emphasis on the loving nature of God. That's why they believe that all souls would be reconciled with their creator, universal salvation. On the other hand, the Unitarians emphasizing the goodness of people believe that people were too lovable, too innately good for God to damn them to hell. Loving God or loving people Whatever the difference in theology, both traditions landed at a similar place. That the question of living this life solely for the purpose of getting into heaven is neither relevant nor sufficient. Separately, and now as Unitarian Universalists, we focus most of our energy on this life and how we treat one another here on earth. Which brings me back to love. <laughs>
and James Vila Blake's covenant. Unitarian Universalism is known as a creedless faith. We don't require folks to conform to a specific statement of faith to belong. And there are several other denominations, including Christian denominations, that share this. Quakers, Disciples of Christ, Mennonites, and Anabaptists, just to name a few. We're also said to have congregational polity. Hmm, fancy word. It means we govern ourselves, we pay our own way, and guide our actions with one another through covenants that we make and agree to and hold ourselves to. Governments have constitutions and legislation. Corporations and organizations have bylaws. We, too, we do too, by the way. Many churches, though, have creeds, but we are bound by covenants. The board has a covenant. Brian and I work together through covenant, and many of our small groups and committees have these covenants. And most of them directly or indirectly center on love and respect and our relations with one another. Let's take a look at just the first line of Blake's covenant. And we can advance that, I think, two times will get us there. Love is the spirit of this church. I get, I literally get goosebumps when I see and read those words. Not only because I have recited them for 30 years worth of Sundays, but because that's what I experience. Not just at my home church in Cincinnati, but at my other home church right here. I felt it the first time I walked in. I sat over there right where Michael's sitting right now. I didn't know anybody, but I felt it. I knew that you cared about justice. And you got signs all over the place outside saying as much. Even on election day, especially on election day. I love that those signs are out there where some folks come scratching their head, surprised by who we love, especially the marginalized. Yes. And how could I not sense the love you have for nature and the environment when I see that you sit on seven amazing acres here that you care for with such love and those shiny solar panels on top? I knew that you believed in love, but it took a little longer to discern how you put love into action. The next line of the covenant gives me a clue though. And service is its law. Service is what love looks like in action. In a church that has no creed and doesn't display a list of 10 thou shalt nots, what is its law? And Blake says, it's service. And I agree. And you all know a thing or two about service. I see it in the way you serve this church, your fellow congregants, and this wider community. Last week, I talked to kids about the potluck called community and how our community thrives because we bring diverse gifts to one another. And our kids, they are so smart. They get it. They get it because they see it. 
in action, in your action. If you were here last Sunday, you had a chance to fill out a colorful card and uh, it listed places you might be able to provide service to the community. If you missed it, there's some out by the gratitude jar. But each act of service is an act of love. A loving community is built by working side by side towards something important, a project, a cause, an event. We put love into action when we offer to help another. And also, also when we accept a helping hand. Yes, when someone offers to help, consider saying yes instead of no, I got it. You're doing both of you a favor. But you know, the service is so much a part of our faith. Sometimes it can be viewed, we can be viewed more as a social action organization than a faith community. And I'm not saying that's all bad. I just know that sometimes when I hear people trying to describe Unitarian Universalism, they go down one of two paths. Either they describe all the things we're not, what we don't believe in, the rituals we don't practice, or they speak of our justice work. I sometimes do both of those things and yet still fail to express what makes us who we are. While the first two lines of Blake's covenant don't entirely answer the question, they suggest a theological grounding for why we do what we do. Love is the spirit of this and all the UU churches that I hold dear. And because of that, we are compelled to act through service to our fellow humans. Our theology tells us that we all have inherent worth and dignity and that we are interdependent. And these expressions of love, they underpin our work for reproductive justice, affordable housing, LGBTQ rights, and the environment in this era. Just as it guided Unitarians and Universalists in the past who worked for women's suffrage, abolition of slavery, public education, and many other social causes. Blake says, love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant. Now the UUCL mission statement, if you haven't gone to the website lately, go there, you'll see it. It says love with action for justice. Yeah. Look at the next line of Blake's covenant, we see this. To dwell together in peace. Now it's easy to say that we wanna live in a more peaceful world. We do, I certainly do. Yet it's amazing how much violence is perpetrated in the name of pursuing peace. Nations, including our own, threaten and actually wage war for the express purpose of assuring or bringing about peace. In our cities, militaristic police departments do the same, harming our own citizens in the name of protecting some of our citizens, often the ones who look a lot like me, from others who do not. 
But I think Blake's line about dwelling together in peace may be aimed a little closer to home. So in a context of a faith community, our church, what does it mean to dwell together in peace? We all want to get along, don't we? Yeah. We show up through those back doors for the first time. We feel that loving spirit that I mentioned earlier. Can you remember it? Yeah. We hear this, the sermons that, that they don't blame and shame us. We hear music that uplifts us. And we meet wonderful people who think just like we do. We hold hands and we sing Kumbaya or the magic penny. A peaceful, blissful dwelling with one another ensues. We've found our spiritual home. Yes. But over time, staying in community with one another can be hard. For a few months, things are exciting and new. We haven't had a chance to say something harmful or take something the wrong way. We haven't butted heads over something we care passionately about. We haven't stepped on somebody else's toes or had our step done. We haven't had a chance or a need to say, I was wrong. Or I was hurt by what you said or did. We haven't had all those opportunities for growth that over time show up in communities. But we will. Dwelling together in peace doesn't mean putting our love in boxes with qualifications, as in the reading Crystal shared. It means loving beyond our expectations and our experience. It's the covenantal work of learning together how to work through our differences. And if we can do that here, perhaps we can teach others to do it out there. To seek the truth in love. Well, I think we do this pretty well here too. And the best evidence I have that we do this as adults is the way we foster this for our children. Be they our own offspring or the children of the youth of this church, we encourage questions. We affirm their worth as they explore their places in this most complicated world and time. I so wish that all kids had such a nurturing place to seek truth and love. Beyond these walls, the pursuit of truth and knowledge, including science, human sexuality, and unredacted history. They're being limited by the state house and by school boards. I pray that we will continue to be a sanctuary where seeking knowledge and freedom and love is encouraged and nurtured. Then there's that word truth. It's become a more nebulous thing in the past few years. Whose truth? Mine? Yours? CNN or Fox's? Truth Social? Truth be told, a lot of what parades as truth isn't. In fact, it's often meant to obscure and distract from the honest pursuit of truth. Factoids are wielded like weapons. 
and not only by the radical right. Blake implores us to seek the truth in love, at least in our church. And to me, that means realizing that you and I will not always agree. And it won't just be on frivolous things like music, 70s rock, sports teams, the Buckeyes, or taste in food. I love my Brussels sprouts. I do. It'll be things that really matter to you and to me, things we're willing to advocate for and argue for. We need to accept that we may not view the world the same as the person sitting across the aisle. It means accepting that their truth, the truth of their lived experience, could be radically different from ours. And in that, I find hope. Because we can learn from one another. If and only if we are seeking the truth in love. Transylvanian Unitarian theologian Ferenc David, whose legacy still inspires our sister church in Romania, taught us that we need not think alike to love alike. The final line of Blake's covenant is this, and to help one another. Again, I, this congregation walks the walk in so many ways. Our involvement with BUILD, Pride Fest, MLK celebrations, the environment, and other social justice initiatives is admirable. Somehow, I feel we're destined to do more, though. And this post-pandemic moment will provide important opportunities. Structures, relationships, and needs are changing. The younger generations that we're starting to attract want to make a difference. If they were to invest their energy in an endeavor, whether it's work or a spiritual home, they want to make a difference to a broader community. It's an expression of love that binds us together as humans. And as we emerge from this pandemic, this world needs connection more than ever. Recently, the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, declared an epidemic of loneliness and isolation in this country. Service to others in this congregation and beyond could be a cure. not just for the souls of those whom we serve, but for our own as well. Isolation and loneliness, they don't discriminate. Many of us here experience those emotions. And it can be very difficult to reach out and ask for help when we do. A loving faith community can be one of the safest places to do that though. Look around. Actually, look around. So many opportunities to help one another. Even in the smallest of ways. And helping someone else, even if it is modest and anonymous, will help you feel more connected too. It's a win-win. Just built for a faith community like ours. So if we can display Blake's covenant in full, 
There we go. Let's recite it together, shall we? Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. And I would add amen. Tina Turner asked, what's love got to do, got to do with it? Lennon and McCartney answer, all you need is love. Love is something. Malvina Reynolds instructs us, if you give it away, you'll end up having more. Reverend Nancy McDonald Ladd invites us to love beyond our expectations without qualifications, with no limits. And a hundred years before all of them, James Vila Blake reminds us that love is the spirit of this church. May it be forever so. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.